Welcome to B2B Podcast Stories, brought to you by GHA Marketing. Our guest today is Ian Truscott. Ian is the Marketing Director of Rockstar CMO, an influential voice with over 25 years of B2B technology marketing expertise. Today, expect to learn the elements that drive B2B marketing success, revenue awareness and trust. Discover the importance of marketing's contribution to revenue, significance of a clear content strategy before starting a podcast, and the benefits of catering to a niche audience. As always, before we begin, please remember to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps the show, and we're going to keep bringing you amazing guests and stories about all the different ways that podcasting can help your business. And with that, here's Ian. Yeah, and thank you so much for joining us on the B2B Podcast Stories. Glad to have you on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you for asking me. Very, very much appreciated to have you here. So um, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff in this episode. The idea is to start with you, Jan. So mm -hmm. tell us a bit about you, what you do and your business. Sure. Well, I'm a uh, three-time CMO. Uh, and what I do now is I'm a marketing advisor. I work as, uh, I advise startups, CEOs, sorts of people about B2B marketing. My focus is on B2B. I've got like a 25 year career in B2B technology and marketing. Uh, and at the moment I run Rockstar CMO and Rockstar CMO is a few things. One of those is a podcast, which I think we'll get on to talking about in a little while. Oh yes. We're cruising up to 200 episodes of that. But also, uh, that's the name of my consultancy as well. So me and a couple of partners, uh, work as rockstar CMO and our, our, our jam, as we describe it is to, uh, <laughs> is to share marketing street knowledge. So we're experienced bunch of people So we call that marketing street knowledge and, and we, and that's what we do. So yeah, so that's me. I love that. So tell me a bit about this. Uh, what's marketing street knowledge? Because if <laughs> I think about the typical CMO of a $500 million plus revenue per year, I suspect he or she might not want to refer as he, to his job <laughs> as street marketing. <laughs> so what, what's that exactly? How do you, how uh, do you position it? Yeah. Well, we obviously, we have quite a strong musical theme through what we talk about. Um, <laughs> but really that comes from, um, a rap group MW. A, who referred to be prepared for the power of street knowledge. And I kind of took that and just described that as the power of marketing street knowledge. And the reason why I call it street knowledge is because we've built our practice based on experience, both myself and Jeff, my partner, who's also on the, on the podcast have a lot of experience. And so really referring to that, you know, we're, we're people that have been there, we've done it, we've been through all of it. Uh, and so I kind of consider that to be street knowledge rather than the kind of stuff you might read in books or you might hear from a, a, a large independent analyst firm or something <laughs> like that. But we've actually got our experience from doing it, some of the failings that we've had. And so I call that street knowledge. Absolutely love it. Uh, that's, that's an interesting positioning. So when you were, because you mentioned three times CMO, I'm super interested into that uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of the, the rockstar CMO, how did you see marketing there? How did you see the place of podcast and what's the difference between maybe the approach you had as a, well, repeatedly CMO mm. and now the marketing street knowledge that you might be applying into yeah. your consultancy? <laughs> well, I think that one of the things I think that's, that's, that's clear for me at the moment is it having, if, if, if I, so for it, Right now we have a small, um, advisory firm. Mm -hmm. Would you have a podcast in order to promote that firm? Yeah. The, so I can apply it to what we do right now and also what I've done as a, as a CMO. And I think this is podcasting is part of a broader content marketing strategy. This, I don't think your content, particularly your podcast is your advert, is your advertising is going to, um, expand your reach. Mm -hmm. Um, it's actually about sharing your opinion allowing people to get to know you it's like content as a product mm -hmm. so I, I when i when i'm doing my cmo thing or when i'm advising clients i always talk about that marketing is about three things aware sorry awareness revenue and trust love it and i think that podcast in particular sits in that sort of trust bucket right is that you know we need to create these things you're not going to create awareness necessarily through a podcast and you're certainly not going to create revenue immediately but you are going to create trust so it's about that it's about being part of your content strategy is where I, where I sit podcast. 
Mm. So let's dive into that because that's super interesting. So how do you build that trust through podcasting? Why do you think it's a particularly relevant channel to a brand, a personality, a personality, sorry, mm. or um, whatever the entity? Why is podcasting a good trust enabler, A, compared to other channels, but B, what are the particular features and byproduct of podcasting that makes that possible? Well, I think currently as a, you know, as an advisor and consultant, then you are, your people choose you based on trust, right? And so what I think my podcast does, it allows people to hear what's my point of view on things. What do I, um, you know, how do I think? What do I, how, what's my opinion about um, particular issues? What do I know about particular issues? Um, who do I know? What, what kind of conversations are we going to have? So it's a way of getting that intimacy. And I think that's another part of podcasting that you don't get with other forms of content is that intimacy. It's right in your ears and you're probably um, really feeling and getting to know somebody. And I think that's what a lot of people talk about in terms of podcasting is you, and voice is there's a greater level of in, intimacy than somebody just sort of skim reading a blog post that you wrote, right? <laughs> there, you're right there together. And so I think with my current business, it's about building that trust and about, uh, you know, about understanding that. And I think that for, if you're a B2B organization marketer, a B2B organization, like, um, you know, I think the CMO of, it's about offering that opinion in a format that, um, people are finding easy to consume. Right. So mm. you don't have to sit down and watch a video. You don't have to sit down and read something. You can be driving in your car. You can listen to the, listen to the opinion. You can learn something. Right. And I think that's also an essential element of it is, is that you're teaching. Is you know if you're just if you if you if you're a marketer and this is becoming increasingly more important you've got to be useful with your with with this sort of thing so it needs to have something you're telling saying something different and yeah and you're getting that across through the medium and voice yeah that's, <laughs> yeah no hundred percent and couldn't couldn't agree more the thing that we we advocate for when we actually pitch to people who might want to start a podcast but are a bit yeah. like hesitating and so on and we're like what form of content do you put out there today that allows you to be for 45 minutes to an hour into the ears of your ideal clients or your yeah. prospects or even people in the market that might want to partner with brands like you? Like what other format allows you to do that? The only thing I'm thinking is YouTube, but YouTube, um, the thing of YouTube is you need to retain attention because this is how competitive the place is. Yeah. Podcasts, of course, the retention rate is not 100%, but people will hit play and then start folding laundry or will commute or will do a, a sports session. And you're like, you're with them. If your content is remotely qualitative and will teach them something or entertain, like you're with them. And then the thing you mentioned is trust, but also authority. Not only do you build yeah. trust with your um, listeners, you also build that authority because by interviewing figures of authority in your industry, you're like, Hey, associating my image with them, but also providing insights exactly like I'm doing right now uh, <laughs> on how that is all possible and like showing your expertise. Sorry for that. So yeah. I absolutely love that. Yeah. No, and there's another couple of things as well. I think, well, I think what you're doing very well, actually, is a good lesson for an interview style, style blog, um, podcast is that you're actually demonstrating your authority. You're not just being the interviewer. Right. But the other thing I think about a podcast is it gives you a passport or an, or a, a license or an opportunity to invite a conversation with somebody else. Right. So I found that really useful. And as I was saying to you before we hit record, you know, I started this, our podcast, Rockstar CMO, yeah. um, during the pandemic, it was a way of networking for me. I'm naturally an introvert anyway. So I I'm not natural in big rooms and, and handing my uh, business card around, but I find with the podcast, it's a really nice way of meeting people, chatting to people, go, um, learning new ideas with them. And it just gives you a great excuse. And people like to be on podcasts and, and you're probably going to, uh, it's a nice warmer to a meeting. I don't use the podcast as cynically as maybe some people do where they do it for business development. Mm -hmm. But I think from a B2B perspective, if you're, if you're running uh, B2B marketing, it's a really good way of engaging your influencers in your marketplace, right? So. And, and they, and what do influencers need? And by the way, that's kind of part of my marketing strategy as well is understanding the needs of your audience. Yeah. They need exposure. They need to get their authority across. And so it's a quid pro quo in that way. If you're, if you're running a B2B, 
um, a podcast as part of your marketing program. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> let me let me be the David's advocate on two sure. points you mentioned earlier, though. Um, revenues and awareness is maybe not uh, podcast is maybe not the best format to do so. Can you can you walk us through this a bit? Like why, according to you, it's a bit less effective than maybe other channels or compared to trust building, and and why so? Well, I think that's possibly why so many podcasts fail and so many blogs fail is right. Interesting. Is I think that people think they build it and, and they will come, right? I've done a podcast, I've done five of them <laughs> and nobody's listening and therefore I'm going to give up. Yeah. Um, and what the, the, the thing with a podcast or a really good blog or anything really you do in a, in a good content marketing strategy is that also needs marketing. I don't think, and I think the... You know, and, and podcasts are particularly bad at this because discoverability is really hard on the podcast platforms, the recommendation engines, right? There is no TikTok algorithm for podcasts, right? So people aren't... You people wish. Aren't gonna, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'd love it if there was a... I mean, I thought Spotify was going to be the champion for podcasts at one point, right. but that's what we need is a big tech champion of podcasts that does that sort of thing for you. So because discoverability is so difficult on, on with a podcast you'll grow an audience but you won't grow it quite you won't see the instant results that maybe you see on other channels yeah. and so you need to use your other channels to support the podcast and i think this and i'm sure you, you're going to ask me this question at some point is it really boils down to why you're doing it right is right. if and and you need to know what those goals are and i think that people too often use even if it's just a personal podcast even mm -hmm. if it's not to do with a business is you set out with this really uh your belief that the podcast is the thing and that it will you know it will sail out there and be as successful as you need it to be <laughs> but if you don't set those goals and understand what those and make those realistic about what it is a podcast can provide for you then i think that's where you know you cut you can't really depend on a podcast for awareness revenue well revenue um is i mean that's that's bottom of funnel as far as a b2b uh consumer is concerned and i think that a podcast you're not really going to go into the level of detail that's going to move somebody through those bottom of funnel stages mm -hmm. necessarily you're going to do that in a more of an intimate session one-on-one -on -one, really good emails personalization i think podcast being such a broadcast broad message it's top of funnel and mid funnel, right? It, it isn't going to, it's going to be hard to attribute your podcast revenue. There's also, sorry, mate. There's also another <laughs> Love thing. it. Of course. Go ahead. The, the, the other thing, I just said the word attribution. And by the way, just so the <laughs> listeners know, we, we didn't prepare the question. So I'm just, I'm just We're on a roll here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, attribution is a big issue with podcasts. As you know, right? As yeah, if you run your own podcast, you're really kind of shouting into the void. And the podcast platforms can give you a, a level of kind of feedback in terms of numbers and stuff. Um, like your web analytics can, but it's really a vanity metric. It's very hard to figure out who you're actually touching with your podcast and get that attribution. So I, you couldn't connect it to revenue, really, I don't think. Super insightful. So um, <laughs> let me play the Davis Avocast one last time <laughs> on this point. So couldn't agree more in the sense of uh, there are better ways. Now, the first thing I've, I'm thinking when you, when you walk us through this is with your podcast, you can repurpose the content in a way that may be fit for purpose when it comes to awareness. And by this, I mean, typically before this episode, we were, we were discussing the fact that out of this episode, we're going to get the 10, mm. 15, one minute snippets of very insightful moment and post them on the social media. So maybe this is a clip right now. And out of those re content repurposing pieces, then you reach a much broader audience than the podcast platform that, as you say, are not the best to give you exposure in the first place. You need that followers base to really have a recurring uh, flow of listeners. So that's the first thing. And the third thing is, actually, it's experimental here. Uh, so we are not there yet. But have you heard of UTM, like the click trackers? The, the, yes. Yeah, yeah. So we, are testing, uh, well, we started mm -hmm. testing that right now, yeah. we, meaning you can actually put those UTMs in your show notes on certain mm -hmm. part of your website where your podcast is displayed, for instance, yeah. and you can start tracking and start getting a bit better on knowing where your podcast audience goes and what they do. 
I agree in the sense that it's experimental and it's not as efficient as a Facebook pixel that you're just going to put on your website and now you can like redirect all the I've, people. Yeah, I've got a couple of points on that. The first point is absolutely, right? And that, and that when we were talking about the podcast, I was really just talking about the podcast recording as a content right. in itself, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of my chums, Robert Rose, who's a regular on my podcast, what we, he, he comes onto the podcast with a marketing thought. That marketing thought is something he's prepared and it's something that he'll publish on, on, on a blog that he runs at Content Marketing Institute. Mm. He'll repurpose it in his presentations and it will be something that he'll share on the podcast. So he absolutely does that. And I think that, right. that is a critical point that you make there is that the, the, and it's, it's, it's a critical point with any part of your content marketing and it frustrates the hell out of me when people do like a random act of marketing. Here's a blog post, here's a podcast, <laughs> post, here's, here's an ebook. No, what's your opinion? What is it that you want to say? What are the needs of your audience? What do you need to get across? What it, and you're going to do that for a year, 18 months, something like that, right? Or two quarters even, let's give you that. Mm -hmm. But if not, <laughs> then all of this is not one and done. So, so for example, on our podcast, um, uh, what the, one of my regular guests is a guy called Jeff Clark, who's my partner at Rockstar CMO. Mm -hmm. And we have almost a kind of an agenda about the five effing fundamentals of marketing. I'm not going to swear on your show. And so what we do is we'll break that down and we'll go through those five and then we'll break those down into five and we'll break those down into five. Yeah. Now it's a, it's kind of niche because unless you're a B2B marketer and you want to learn this stuff, we're not, tr we're not going to make comments about, I don't know, whatever's going on at ChatGPT this week or with Elon Musk or any of that kind of stuff. It's not a news show, but that's. But that, and, but we have a content agenda, right? And I think that's the important part of the first part of what you're saying, absolutely repurposing your content. And then the second part, um, UTMs, the trouble with that is, and it's a bit like what we were talking about discoverability of the podcast, the mm -hmm. kind of podcast infrastructure is a bit tricky for that. How many people are listening in the car and then remember to go into your show notes and click on the link? <laughs> you know, you're going to lose, I don't know, yes. maybe 95% of your listeners. How many people, and I'd love to know what the statistics are, and it's very impossible to tell mm -hmm. about how many people actually come on, listen to the podcast and then click through. Now, if I look at our own analytics from Rockstar, it's a very small percentage of people that actually click, click on the links in the show notes compared to how many people I know are listening. So, right. I agree with you. There is a level of attribution. The other thing is, I mean, I was listening to your show the other day and you had Jason Falls on and he can directly attribute because people email him and say, I heard you on your podcast. I'd right. like to work with you. Right. Obviously, you can do that too. True. Yeah. For, so for the inbound, then it's much better. Like if people yeah. by themselves tell you, hey, I've heard you on that show or I heard I discovered your podcast and I learned this, this and that, then for sure. But attribution is one of the challenges. But hey, to anybody listening right now, if you solve that problem, you're going to make a lot of marketers <laughs> happy and therefore a lot of money. Well, the other thing is, I think that at, we're so fed on attribution in B2B marketing mm -hmm. that venturing into doing a podcast is venturing into an uncomfortable place. You have Oof. to have faith, right? I love that. And you're not going to get that feedback. You're not going to get that attribution feedback. And I think that's why so many people give up so quickly mm. is, I have so many conversations where somebody has listened to a podcast and I've not known that, or they've read a blog post and I've not known that. Yeah. So many people are, are kind of lurkers or listeners or whatever. They, they're not, get, you're not going to know until <laughs> you have that conversation, right? hundred percent. So Jan, let's park that because we need to discuss why you have your podcast and why you push through until 200 episodes and probably much more to come. Two last yeah. points I would like to make here. The first one is. I love what you say about um, people venture into this without being certain of anything. And this is why after five episodes, they stop. We have our favorite stat of all time in the podcast world to who Sam and I is 90% of podcasts won't make it past episode three mm. and 90% of those who do pass it past episode three will not make it past episode 20, mm. meaning you just need 21 episodes to be a top 1% of podcasts all time. Mm -hmm. Like how, what does that say? Like 20 times a bit less one hour of recording, probably double the amount of time in editing, 40 hours. That's one, that's one week of work. Yeah. If you push a bit to, yeah. throughout your week. Point being like, it's not that hard, but yet it is. And like, since you won't get the result in the first week, you won't get the result in the first month. You probably won't get any result in the first six months. 
that's why it makes it so valuable to push through and have it mm. year after year consistently publishing episodes. And the last point I wanted to touch upon is mm. uh, something you, you mentioned that we're very niche. We are into the B2B marketing world, but that's exactly what it is about. Like there is, there will be one Joe Rogan, there will be one Stephen Bartlett, mm. and there will be one Chris Williamson. I'm, I'm figuring out that I'm not very diverse here. Uh, do you have any big name of, <laughs> of a uh, woman podcaster? Yeah, <laughs> please get, get me out of this. Like those are the ones I listen to. My point being. You... Kara Swisher. <laughs> Love that. Kara Swisher. Yeah, point, point being, yes, you probably won't make millions and millions of downloads per episode if you start your own podcast, even after five years. But if you focus well enough on your niche, you answer to a specific thing on the market, you build your authority and you gain the trust of your audience on this platform throughout the years, then your podcast becomes invaluable, like yeah. unbelievably invaluable. Absolutely. Jan, let's let's get to the to the meat of the sausage. As one of my previous Irish manager used to say, um, <laughs> why did you start a podcast in the first place? Tell us tell us your story. All right. So um, as I mentioned, I, I started the podcast. Uh, we we did uh, episode one hundred ninety six just this last Saturday. Congratulations! Uh, and so we're quickly cruising up to two hundred episodes. Mm -hmm. And I started it really as a, a lockdown uh, project, as a as a COVID project. Yeah. Um, two reasons for it. One of them was, um, I wanted to try this podcasting thing. We, I, I dabbled in it in a previous agency, uh, when I was in the U S a while back and I wanted to get, get a, a handle on it now. And I think that the nice thing about where we are in terms of B2B marketing and, and digital is these tools are available to all of us to play with just because I'm a CMO or whatever, whatever, it doesn't matter. I, c I like to get hands on and play with these tools. So I thought I'll give it, give it, give it a go. And the other thing was we were all locked down. It was a great way to have conversations with my friends in the industry in other parts of the world and record those conversations, you know, and, <laughs> and, um, and, and network. And the other thing I was talking about is it, it's like a calling card. You can say, oh, will you be on my podcast? And it's a very nice way of getting introduced to people. So I, I've, I, I mean, we call it Rockstar CMO, but probably the minority of guests I've had have actually been CMOs. They've been agency leaders or they've been thought leaders in work or uh, all sorts of different kinds of people. And that, and that just, you know, that just makes it really interesting. And, and so that's why I started the podcast and didn't really have a business purpose. Although I will tell you the Rockstar CMO itself started as uh, a content marketing strategy when I was the CMO at Sendshare. Um, and I hope nobody minds me saying this, but the CEO at the time was saying, we're a boring German software company Ouch. and, and we were based in, we were ba he's German too. So I was based, you know, we were based in Munich. They brought me on, on purpose to, okay. to kind of shake things up a little bit. And we thought, well, let's, I, ha I already own the URL, let's use this brand and let's, um, use that as our content marketing vehicle. And so we launched Rockstar CMO as a monthly publication. And we took it from there. So I've, I've had this thing for, for, for years. And, um, and that's really what I'm talking about in terms of podcasting. You can't really have a conversation about podcasting independently of your main, of your, of your content marketing strategy. Right. And to your point, you were making just a moment ago, that content marketing strategy is not a short term strategy. It's a long term strategy. And so, and it, and it's one of the things that's going to be included in that, because I, I would argue that your, a new blog isn't going to have that return that you talked about, right? Many blogs fail within the first eight or nine weeks of posting. Yeah, right. And, and so I, 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 I think we just think a bit out about it out from that perspective. So that's why we start. That's why we started. So I think that was your original question. That's why I started the podcast. Love it. But so tell us a bit about. Is it Censure that, Censure that you mentioned? Censure. Censure. So you started the podcast with them or what, what do you mean? Because uh, no, I think I'd left by then. Yeah, I'd okay. left by then. Okay. Um, so the podcast was just, uh, so I had this almost media brand, right? Rockstar CMO. We were yeah. doing this monthly publication turned to a blog and, and, um, and I had an audience and we had a newsletter. So I had an audience Okay. and that's why I, I used, you did the Rockstar CMO as part of part of that as another okay. channel for that particular content uh, strategy mm. and so um i started we no we did start, did we start the podcast i can't i can't remember it's bad um, <laughs> not at all 
<laughs> no, no, because it's so it's during during COVID. So if I get my timings right, so yeah, and so I decided to use this brand as 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 the podcast makes go forward. Makes a lot of sense. So why Rockstar CMO? Where, where <laughs> does that come from? Because let me say this: I love the name, but why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I don't, it, I, it, I must admit, it doesn't always sit comfortably with me. So quite often when I introduce myself, I'll say, I'm the, you know, host of Rockstar CMO, but I'm not a rock star, right? Because what? I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anybody, I mean, if you think about, and, uh, and you know, there's some ads running at the moment for, um, what is it, uh, for, for Workfront or whatever it is, and it's, it's stopping people, and it was in the Super Bowl, and it's saying, yeah. you can't call each other rock stars unless you're an actual rock star. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I'm I'm a I'm not I'm not an out there extrovert kind of like all in your face kind of CMO <laughs> anyway, right? So being described as a rock star, but it was um, I just really we we came up with a brand with with a designer, and um, it's different. It's differentiated. People mm -hmm. remember it, right? And every now and again, I've gone, oh, should I not do rock star CMO? Should I be like Martech Insider or some other bland thing? And <laughs> at every point, you know, and I, I actually do, and people should do this. You should do your analysis and ask your customers and clients, what do they think, right? So I just went through this and because um, I just finished a CMO gig, I'm relaunching this as, an, as a um, my consultancy firm again. Mm -hmm. And so I'd spoke to some customers and they said, yeah, it's, you know, it's differentiate, it's, dif it's differentiated it's got some confidence and i think when you're looking for advice and you're looking for an advisor you want somebody who's got a bit of confidence that you can trust you know? so it all goes to that so that's why i went with rockstar cmo and it gives me a nice it's a fun brand it looks different to everybody else and yeah. and and people tell me don't stop just lean into it so that's what i'm doing so whilst we are in the titles jan i read mm -hmm. on your LinkedIn profile that not only you're the managing director and strategy director of Rockstar CMO, the company behind it that we're going to touch upon just yeah. in one second, but you're also a chief bottle washer. So <laughs> <laughs> to anybody, please don't change it for the, for the coming weeks. So just our audience can go and check that out. I but, won't change it. It's in my email signature. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> well, it's a bit of fun because, um, here, um, it's, it's an old English expression that you kind of do everything, right? You're the, you're the right. bottle washer, right. you know, you're the back in the kitchen, washing the bottles as well as, you know, front of house and all that kind of stuff. So I just so, describe myself as chief bottle washer because we're such a small team, right? Is yeah. that I do everything mm. and I enjoy doing everything. Mm. And so, um, that's why I describe myself as chief bottle washer rather than <laughs> anything other high, you know, and it goes with the. Uh, it goes with it. the uh, it goes with the brand of being kind of a little bit fun, right? So that's that's how I describe myself. Hundred percent. I was just it's about also, to say that it's like it also you so on point. when um, when people send you uh, automated email and spam, mm -hmm. it it makes it's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> As chief bottle washer, <laughs> how do you? <laughs> it makes me laugh. I really really like that. One point that you said earlier, um, it was a great networking tool, but it was a great way to make people come to you. And it's not just like a cold calling or like, hey, would you mind going out for a coffee? No, let me give you a bit of exposure. Let me give you access exactly. to my audience. Let me make you appear or boost your image as a thought leader in the industry. And let's create a link through that. The first podcast we started together with Usam is Corporate Treasure One One. We are uh, approaching 200 episodes as well. I think we're going to nice. be there in one week. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty happy about that. <laughs> it has been such a door opener that we could have never imagined something like that. Mm -hmm. We got invited to um, one of the biggest finance conference in the world. And like, we don't go stand by stand and like shake hands saying, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Guillaume from whatever company is like. Hey, do you have something interesting to say? Just come on the show. And like search yeah, yeah. a door opener. Like if you do this, mm -hmm. you're going to get into rooms that you could have probably have hardly had access to, uh, mm -hmm. if not for like long and thorough efforts yeah. to get there. So yeah. really, really appreciate that, that approach. Why focusing on CMO? Yeah. Like, because if I think about it, it's all marketers, like B2B marketing is the matter of everybody who's going to be the marketing department of a company that focuses on yeah. B2B business. Why this particular niche down on CMO? And this just comes out of curiosity because I don't know the answer. So wh why is that? 
You're asking me all the questions I ask myself almost on a daily basis. <laughs> um, Perfect. The, the, the idea of the rock star CMO is an aspirational marketer that people want to be, right? And the other, and I don't position myself, as I described, I don't position myself as the rock star CMO. Mm-hmm. What I say is that our advice will bring out the rock star in you, right? So mm-hmm. when I talk about street, um, marketing street knowledge, it's about sharing knowledge, either sharing knowledge as an advisor or as a paid consultant, or just sharing knowledge on our blog or on our podcast, right? We're about sharing our knowledge. Um, and so the CMO thing is just, I mean, rockstar B2B marketer hasn't quite got the same ring to it, right? So, <laughs> so rockstar CMO is, is, is how it's founded. And, and the funny thing is all these years later, I can't actually remember that moment of epiphany when I thought, oh, I'm going to grab that URL. That sounds fantastic. Right? But it's, yeah, it is, it's about, you know, it's about trying to, it's just, it, it's like, it's like we were talking about earlier on, what's your goal and mission? And a lot of the times throughout the history, uh, the short history of Rockstar CMO is I'm constantly wondering, what is our mission? And sometimes that's changed. Like you were asking me, why did you start? Well, the reason why I started is slightly different to the purpose that Rockstar CMO, the podcast serves yeah. today, right? And But it's always been about helping other marketers and sharing that street knowledge that we talk about. So that's been the common thread. and. Like I say, CMO is a bit more aspirational than just B2B market. <laughs> Absolutely love it. What's the, um, <clears throat> what part of your business is enabled by your podcast? And by this, I mean, I'm, I'm going through the website right now and I see um, the F in podcast, street knowledge, <laughs> advisory services, like everything, yeah. like the branding that you come up with on this very episode is literally embedded into your website like that's you, mm. you leave that brand that's super super interesting and then i see cmo coaching and mentoring strategy and planning campaign strategy content marketing and so on and i can't help but think the conversations you have on your podcast as you said the things you learn through your conversation on your podcast how much of this is reflected or is enabling your business because we are strong believers that if you do things well on your show, you invite the thought leader, you invite the people who know more than you, basically, yeah, exactly. um, you learn from them. And then in your services, if you're in a service business, you're like, hey, I've just discussed this. We had a one hour conversation on that particular point yeah. times 20, because over the last six months, I had 20 conversations about this very topic. I'm maybe not an expert yet, just yet, very close to. How do you make that link between the conversations you have on your show and the services you provide on a day-to-day basis. And if I just may complement that question with the fact that marketing is ever evolving, mm. um, human psychology, not that much. Um, we are undergatherers, uh, to, to say the least, but the technology that comes with marketing and how we tap into those psychological um, aspects is constantly evolving. So how do you keep up to date? And that's, you might recognize a question I asked Jason as well. How do you keep up to date with everything that you need to know for your business right. and what part of this is made through the podcast right that's quite a lot in that question yeah <laughs> sorry so the podcast uh, from from that perspective the podcast serves a number of purposes yeah. the first one is basically you know having a conversation like this with you on the topic of b2b podcasts right so unless you've done one yeah. unless you've seen what it's like when you publish and you know the sort of data you get through and you've tried the utms and all the stuff we've talked about mm-hmm. that has been an input and i could have finished i could have done 10 episodes and figured that out so that's not what 200 episodes has taught me yeah. but it's certainly think that if you're a marketer you should absolutely try all these things mm-hmm. and then if they fail they fail that's fine yeah. But at least then you you can talk knowledgeably about that channel about about what you've done. I haven't quite applied that to doing things like TikToks yet, so we'll have to give that a go. But I think that I think it's good that we that we experiment as marketers. The other part of it is absolutely to your point is that um, I have particularly uh, Robert Rose is a regular guest and he mm-hmm. comes on and he shares the marketing thought and it isn't an interview style. He shares his view, right? So I learn something from him. And also what I've shared, what I've learned from the interviews that I've done on the podcast too. But the other part of it is that I find that collaborating. So uh, Jeff Clark is on the show. He's ex Forrester research director, really knowledgeable about B2B marketing from a big technology perspective, big analyst firm, worked with some great clients. 
And what I can do is have a conversation with him, a regular conversation with him about what's on my mind as a CMO or what, what I'm facing with a client or something like that. And we have that conversation. We record that conversation. And it's, it's just a great way of honing your craft of what you do, of what you know, of what, you can, what value you can add to somebody else and then share it and say, this is us. This is us putting our stool out in terms of knowledge workers. <laughs> this is, you know, this is the knowledge we have. Would you like some more of it? You know, so yeah. that's probably the three things I've learned is podcasting as a channel. Uh, the new things I've learned and stayed up to date by talking to other CMOs and other agency heads and that kind of stuff. And the third thing is just fine honing what it is you do as a consultant or as an advisor by talking to other people, right? So yeah. that's what happened. Really like that. And yeah, obviously vice versa, right? You can get the clients that you've helped with on a particular yeah. problematic or something like a typical use case that you think can help other people. Yeah. And if the client is happy to share, then that makes for a very competent and great episode because it's like hands-on true experience, like double down on the authority, obviously, because you're like, mm. guys, I'm not just talking about it. I'm actually executing on that okay. and I make people happy with it. And you get people to share the story. And it's like a two way street where your podcast benefits your business and your business benefits your podcast. It has that compound effect that you just get things out there that is qualitative outbound and inbound because it serves both your audience mm. yourself and your guests. Absolutely love that. One of the important aspects, Jan, and you mentioned it quite sometimes, is you're not going to get results in a, in a few episodes, in a few weeks, mm -hmm. let alone in a few months. What made you push until 196 episodes, soon 200? Because you may think, okay, well, it's a, it's a COVID, it's a pandemic, lockdown yeah, yeah. type of gig. Uh, I understand the motivation at first, uh, but like everything, like the hype goes down and then it's just about getting episodes in having conversations, recording for one hour, doing the editing for two, publishing, yeah. scheduling, and so on and so forth. What made yeah. you in particular push through and, and say, guys, this is not only worthwhile, but we're going to get to. I think, um, I mean, we don't have a massive audience, but I think it's about the audience. I think once you start to collect an audience and you realize you get some anecdotal, um, so we publish on a Saturday and I've had anecdotal you know, people come to me and say, you're my Saturday podcast, right? I do this on a Saturday and I listen to your podcast. And, um, so you you then you're doing it for the community, you know, and that drives you forward. And then, and that's, what's very difficult with the beginning, because you, like I said earlier, you know, like we were saying earlier, you're shouting into the void at the beginning, you don't get that feedback. So there needs to be a really good reason why you're doing it in the beginning that sustains you. Mm -hmm. But currently I'm sustained by that. I'm also sustained by my guests. So I have two regular guests and honestly, if I didn't have a podcast and um, one of them's in Massachusetts, one of them's in California, I'm in the UK. Okay. It's a great excuse to talk to them every week and catch up with them. And then we record a bit of podcast, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's all, it's all the reasons why I started thing from a networking perspective. And I think if nobody listened. I would probably still, well, nobody listened. That's probably too much, but if, you know, I would, I would, I would, I would still want to have those conversations. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, if nobody listened, I'd be very, I'd probably, I probably wouldn't have the fortitude to continue, but <laughs> you know, the, the conversations really make it and I, I, I wouldn't want to stop. And, and like you say, it's a, it's a, it is a big investment. And if you're prepared for that, yeah. I think that you're, you're in good shape. That's an interesting one. The, um, the first guest we ever had on the show, Mike Richard, um, mm -hmm. he, as part of his job as a treasury recruiter, so that's like, he was a recruiter in a specific niche. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm having conversation with the greatest mind of the industry, 20, not 24 seven, but very close to, because it's his job. It's like, he talks to company who are looking for group treasurers. And then he talks to group treasurer to convince them to go to that company. And he's like, I'm having such insightful conversation tips, yeah. career advice, advancements, like this is just a well of knowledge and like, it's just only for me. So he just started recording those and like publishing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, if you find great advice and insights from the conversation, so will somebody else. And that's a great thing with internet. Like, even if you touch only 20, 50, hundred people, at least yeah. that's already 20, 50, hundred people that you're helping. Well, I, th I also think that, you know, if you were to present to a room full of people and there were 60 people in that room, uh, you would, 
you would open the door to that room and walk out in front of those people and you would be intimidated by that crowd. Right? 100%. <laughs> Do you know? So the fact that you've got this opportunity and it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter how big or small your audience is. If you had those people in the room, mm-hmm. you would feel privileged to speak to those people. And that's the way I feel is that, you know, we've obviously, you know, we've, we have a, a larger audience than that, but it doesn't matter. It's, you know, you should think about the first 10, the first 20, the first 30, as if you were sitting in a room with those people talking to them and how that would feel. It would feel great. Right? Yeah. So, you know, you should grow from there. So, couldn't agree more. I need to put in a personal anecdote here, Jan. We um, <laughs> we recently all had the Spotify wrapped, right? And you have it as yeah, a podcaster yeah. as well. And so this Corporate Jury 101 podcast that we had, that was our first show, that's, uh, uh, approaching the 200 episodes, we're like, it's still very niche. We get between five and 6,000 downloads a month, but like compared to the big names of the podcast world, we are like, yeah, yeah. it's not that big. And then we receive the Spotify wrapped and we're like, we are top 1%, uh, top one podcast, sorry, mm. for 180 people. And we are yeah. top five for 790 something. And we're like, yeah. how would I feel if I would have to go in a room of 800 people yeah. and like talk in front of those? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I could, but um, for sure I would, I would sweat quite a lot. So I was like, that's amazing. That's insane. And you're like, yeah. those people listen to you on a regular basis. So a hundred percent, like no matter the size of the audience, even presenting to 20 people, if you saw CMOs, I mean, you're, you're in a big room. So hundred percent couldn't agree more. I also, I, and on that point about audience and some of it about the goals we were talking about earlier on yeah. is that really think about how many people you need to influence in the world in order to change your business or move your business off. I have a very small business. I just need very few people, relatively speaking, out of that audience to mm-hmm. put their hand up and say, yes, I'd like to hear more from you and pay for your services. <laughs> um, and that, you know, so many people, I think, get discouraged by by the numbers. And when you really think about what's your goal, how many people do you really need to speak to, do you need to be in the ear of? Mm. And the other, I think the other thing about that is, is if you're trying to go for lots of people, you create populist content, you create something that's bland, that's good for everybody. You don't niche down. You don't have an opinion. You worry about swearing. You worry about whether this show was great this week. You worry about the rabbit hole you went down when you were chatting about something or other, mm-hmm. probably like we have, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you worry too much. And, and, but what will come out the other end of that would be something that nobody loves, nobody cares about. And I think it's, you know, the sort of thing that Seth Godin talks about is what's your minimum viable audience, but also to be something interesting to somebody you have to be something not for everybody else, right? There are going to be people that don't like what you do. And that's the way you're going to define the fact that you've got, you're onto something. So I, I think that audience thing is a really tricky conversation to have around podcasting, unless mm-hmm. the reason why you have a podcast is for advertising revenue, mm-hmm. right? Or that you need to be famous for some reason, right? But it's Indeed. the same with all of your content. That's to be clipped. That was really, really super insightful. <laughs> I mean, I love it. The, if you want to have an audience attracted to what you say, you need not to be saying something that everybody will agree with. That's so powerful. And I see you have the Seth Godin, uh, this is what marketing is book <laughs> yeah. just behind you. So yeah. definitely the, the right names behind I have that. all of his books. <laughs> <laughs> we don't expect anything less. Um, TikTok, and you, you mentioned it a bit mm. earlier. Um, a very interesting one because so we we put clips out of all those episodes of the b2b podcast stories and mm. again back to the audience part of it there is on average 210 220 views per clip and we put between 5 and 15 per episode so i would definitely recommend you to explore tiktok like if that's <laughs> something you are thinking of that sounds like I'm getting my TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> the Rockstar CMO TikTok account. I can't can't wait to see that. But like it's it's very interesting to see how the algorithm of certain platform appreciate the podcast content as well. Why Saturday, Jan? Why publishing on Saturdays? I'm intrigued about that. Uh okay. So two things. One is I believe that B2B folks engage with content at the weekend. I think it's a fallacy to think that they don't. So I mm-hmm. think that works. And the other thing is, this is a personal project, so I don't like, I don't, I didn't want it to interfere with any of the roles that I had at my nine to five jobs, if you like, mm-hmm. or with any client work or anything like that. So I set aside my Saturday morning and that's when I do the production of, of, the, of the podcast. 
And predominantly my audience is American, even though I'm based in the UK. So I think it's about 70% US. Mm -hmm. And so then I publish it on Saturday morning, their time. And I find that, as I say, you know, pe people seem to like it. I'm, like, I'm their Saturday podcast, which makes me slightly different. Yeah. Um, so that's the primary reason. And, um, and it's a really, it's an out of hours project. So, you know, my two con con conspirators, the regular guests, are in the US, so I tend to talk to them in the evening. So, you know, it just leaves me, my, my clients tend to be European, so it leaves me plenty of time and to yeah, get um, the podcast done. Yeah, the US is the is the world for podcasting, right? It's um, it's insane yeah. how the industry there and how aware of the podcast format the population is in the US. That We also got yeah. most of our listenership in the US. Yeah, and I'd like to move on a bit to... I'll, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I've, I've, I've lived there twice as well. So I, okay. I actually, you know, if I looked at my LinkedIn um, network, I think a, a good proportion of my network are, are American anyway. So quite naturally, I think it's spread mm. in the US, you know, the work that I do spreads in the US as much as over here. Yeah, makes sense. The, um, the thing I'd like to deep dive a bit into, Jan, is what, um, what advice would you give to people who have a podcast? potentially B2B podcast, or are thinking about launching one, like what advice would you give them? I think we already had quite some nuggets in this episode, Yeah, yeah. but like, what are the things you think are important to, to touch upon to those people who are in the middle of making their podcast work or are thinking about launching one but haven't yet? Yeah, I think, um, I think we've touched on a lot of this. One of the things I think I would definitely recommend with anything is what is your content strategy? What is your opinion? What is the purpose of your of what you're trying to achieve? Then say the best way of me telling this story is to do a podcast or to do a blog or an ebook or a TikTok or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So really focus on what's your content strategy, who you're trying to reach, where they are, and whether podcasting is the right thing, because that'll help you. If you're a if you're a corporate B2B marketer, don't do a podcast because you need to do a podcast. Do a podcast because it supports your content strategy. And the other thing we talked about is the long-term nature of this. Podcasting is even more long-term than some of your other content channels. Mm -hmm. Building an audience, you're not, because of discoverability that we discussed, you're not going to build an, an audience to your podcast. You're going to need to market your podcast. You're going to need to put the same amount of effort you do almost in marketing your products if you're B2B into marketing some of your content and your podcast will need marketing. Mm -hmm. So, um, those are the pieces of advice I would give. And then, and then the biggest one is patience. Like we've discussed, right. Is mm -hmm. commit. If you're going to start a podcast, commit that this is going to cost you this amount in marketing dollars, but it's also going to cost you this amount in hours. Right. And you've got to, you've got to set that aside and it'll in and, and go for it. And like you were saying, right, make it through the first five, make it through the first 10, make it through the first 20 mm -hmm. and just budget for that. It's, a, it's going to be a 20, it's going to be a 20 episode series. I'm going to do that till the end. Doesn't matter what happens in between. And that's my commit. No, it's, and I think you'll be on an audience with that. Yeah. And how do you, do you actually, do you advise that to some of your clients when you consult, when you, I guess at some point you might have had as a advisor for CMO conversation around content strategy. Yeah. Is it something that you advise creating a Absol podcast? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. As long as you know, it, there's, there's kind of three levels to where I would be. I wouldn't start with podcasts. I would start with what are your goals, awareness, revenue, and trust. Yeah. So what are you trying to achieve as a business, mm -hmm. as a marketing team from an awareness, revenue, and trust, then where does your content strategy fit into that? How does that support you with your awareness, revenue, and trust? And then is podcasting the right channel to support that content strategy, right? So it's, you know, I, if anybody comes in and says, we need to start a podcast, no, you fucking don't. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to use podcasting as a channel to connect with these people with this message? Absolutely. You may do. Love right? it. So yeah, sorry for the swear. No, love it. Love it. Um, so what, what do you see among the CMO as being their number one priority? Is it awareness? Is it revenues or is it trust? It's almost, almost certainly revenue. And if you're a B2B marketer, that's what you need to tie yourself to. Uh, all right. There's, there are, I mean, cause you'll play devil's advocate. I know what you're like. That, so that's my point. Here's, <laughs> here's 
normally it's about revenue. And if I was actually to to just to put that revenue in to put that acronym in the order that a CEO would like, mm. it would spell rat because it would be revenue awareness and trust, right? <laughs> so, but I like to create art, so I say art. Oh, but I think it. that the the nice thing about the my model of awareness, revenue, and trust is you can ladder that up to what the rest of the C suite care about, and it's often revenue and growth, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, now, if you're in a startup and you're in a new niche and you're well funded and then awareness is going to be your top priority, right? And yeah. educating the market and all that stuff. So I completely understand that some businesses are at different places. Everybody needs to build trust, but sometimes awareness is more important than revenue, and, but most of the time it's revenue. Mm. So is it, am I understanding well that first you want to make your case and drive revenues? Yeah. Then once that box is ticked, you might want to focus on the awareness because this is where the scale comes from, probably. Yeah. It's like, as long as you educate the market, people start to know you, you become renowned for a specific thing, you drive the revenue through it. And then you need the market to trust that you can deliver on what you're advocating for and grow the revenues further. And that's where potentially the podcast, if that makes sense, that your overall content strategy comes in. Exactly. Exactly. And I the and the way that you phrase it in that order. The, the the issue that we have in marketing is that we're often associated with the A, with the awareness, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's all we're for. So, and, and and that's a luxury sometimes. And I think that we need to get in the conversation about revenue. And so, yes, absolutely lead with how is your marketing and it's going to, and we're now having a marketing conversation rather than a podcast conversation, but it, exactly. but everything needs to ladder up to that. You know, is why are we doing the podcast at some point it's going to influence awareness and that will influence revenue. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And anything you'd like to add to the different points we touched upon? No, I think this has been very thorough. I, I, I've enjoyed your questioning. We Love were completely it. unprepared. <laughs> so but some was, people like, but yeah. That's no, what makes it great. Like, you know <laughs> what we talk, want to talk about. Overall, we know it's going to make for a competent conversation because you have obviously lots of experience, lots of very interesting things to talk about. So Jan, absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. If people want to know more about you, what you do, where should they go? Uh, LinkedIn. I'm an, I'm Ian Truscott on LinkedIn. Quite easy to find, so quite a distinct name. Uh, rockstarcmo.com is where we hang out and the, the website you were looking at just a moment ago. Mm -hmm. And I also have, I'm also on threads recently. I've given up on Twitter. I'm now on threads and Ian Truscott on threads. So those are some places that you can find me. So your, your team, uh, your team, Mark Zuckerberg then, and that's not Elon Musk. Say it again. Your team, Mark Zuckerberg, and not Team Elon oh, Musk. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a it's, it's not a great choice, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, one would like you, but I guess who am I to judge? Uh, I'm on. I mean, I'm on neither. GHA Marketing is on both, but uh, I'm on neither. So right. that uh, that says a lot. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. We'll put all the links in the description. Um, and thanks a lot for coming on the show. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the B2B Podcast Stories. We hope you enjoyed the show and if you did please don't forget to hit subscribe and check us out at jhamarketing.com have a great day